Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Coming up on the Hal Anderson Podcast, well, first off, it's guest host Kelly Moore, as Hal's not with us today, but we're going to speak recycling with Winnipeg City Councilor Cindy Gilroy, who's the chair of the Water and Waste Management Department. Ottawa is bracing for rising river levels as the flooding threat in Central Canada, not over yet. It was a good first quarter for James Richardson International Airport, and don't throw those seeds and plants into the ground just yet for it. At least that's what our expert Ray Dubois of Ron Paul Garden Center is advising. And we welcome you back to Hell Anderson. Kelly Moore sitting in. We thought we'd uh, preface our conversation with uh, City of uh, Winnipeg Councillor Cindy Gilroy with that report from uh, Carolyn Jarvis, just to kind of set the table. Uh, and first off, good afternoon, Councillor Gilroy. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You bet. Well, we have launched a series on recycling and is the recycling industry dying uh, here today on uh, 680 CJOB and Global News? And uh, first off, Councillor Gilroy, maybe paint us a picture, if you will, of uh, where we are with our recycling here in the city of Winnipeg. Well, there, there's no doubt that we're we're feeling the impact of uh, the closure at the China market. There's no doubt about that. But I, I do want to let people know that the stuff that they are putting into their recycling bin, we do have a market for that. We are selling those commodities, and uh, and they're not getting landfilled. So, so that's really important for Winnipeggers to know. Yeah, that's uh, because I think that uh, there could be some widespread fear here and maybe even some apathy developed with, well, if it's not working, and why should I recycle anymore? And that's not the answer we're looking for, is it? That's right. And because because we uh, Winnipeg ha, um, has been able to do a really good job, we we are we are finding the market for our product, and we're also we're not getting any complaints back from the people that are buying our commodities. So when they are being shipped away, we're not getting anything back saying that there's major contamination. So so we're doing a good job um, trying to maintain what we have. So when you are putting your stuff in the in the recycle bin, we are ensuring that that product is being sold. We just want to also make sure that we're educating people. It's really important that you be mindful of what you are putting in the in the recycling bin, and that is recyclable products. Yeah, I, because I, I know I heard a report uh, the other night on, on Drex. I was driving home from the airport, and uh, the Philippines has actually <laughs> declared war on Canada. <laughs> Uh, yeah. In a figurative sense, I guess, not uh, mm-hmm. not literally, but uh, because of uh, what they thought was recycling, but it turned out to be a lot of garbage there. So how, why is it then, uh, Councillor Gilroy, that some cities do have this stockpile of cheap plastic and, and is, I'm uh, led to believe from what you're saying, we don't have that issue here in Winnipeg? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know about the scenarios in which the, which they are, what they are in in those municipalities. But what I do know is that when we are uh, selling our stuff abroad, because we we sell to brokers and then they in turn go in and sell that product, we're not receiving that product back because of, due to contamination. So uh, we have to be mindful, though. We have to educate people on what they can be putting in their blue bin to make sure they aren't putting garbage in there, to make sure they aren't putting stuff that is not recyclable in their 
hemoglobin because that that really can impact on on what you can sell. So then that, and and can impact uh, if that shipment is contaminated. So it's really really vital that we we educate the public on it. And if you go to the Winnipeg website, there is a tutorial on what you can put in your blue bin so people can understand this is a good opportunity for us to uh, be mindful of those kind of things. What are what are one or two examples, uh, Councillor Gilroy, of what you can put in the blue bin? And then and the second part to that question is you just mentioned you are selling product abroad and uh, who what are you selling and who are you selling it to? That's that's part B. But I'll, I'll repeat that as we go back to part A and uh, one or two items that uh, you like to see in the blue bins. Uh, sure. Like, for example, your your glass jars from your pickles, uh, cardboard, aluminum cans, your plastic containers, all those stuff, newspapers, uh, all can be recycled. So we want, those are the things we want to see in the blue bin. What we don't want to see is garbage. We don't want to see diapers. We don't want to see food waste. We want to make sure that it's, um, that if it, that it is recyclable products that are going into your blue bin. So when you're talking about those glass jars or those plastic containers, uh, they should be rinsed clean, should they not? Like you shouldn't be putting dirty uh, objects into the recycling. That's right. You should try to clean your products out before you put them into recycling as best as you can. Yeah, because I, I don't know how many conversations I have had with uh, with different people over that. Oh, you don't have to rinse it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We're, we do want people to be mindful of that, to try to clean it out. Even my own recyclables, uh, my peanut butter jar and my yogurt containers, I try to even put that through my um, dishwasher yeah. before I put it into my recycle bin, right? Oh, I'm just as anal as you are when it comes to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So now what kind of product are you selling, Councillor Gilroy, and to whom are you selling it? So we're selling anything that you put in your blue bin, we've been able to find a market for. So anything from your glass jars to your plastic bottles to um, uh, to your your juice containers, aluminum cans, we're able to get rid of that. Your pay, our paper, we're able to sell that to other markets. And yeah, when you say other markets, what are those other markets? Well, it's usually um, we sell to brokers who then in turn sell to the different markets. So there's kind of a middleman approach, and it really depends on on the different markets uh, and the cost that we get. But predominantly, uh, in 2017, we got roughly uh, uh, $5 million back from our recyclables. So with the idea that if things don't change, recycling could become a... Well, a, a very dangerous industry industry to be involved in. What you're saying is the market is still there then if you do it right. The market is still there. I think, though, that we are looking at, I think that we do have to start shifting, though. We need to look at reducing and reusing. And I think that those are conversations we need to start having. Um, you know, is there, can we repurpose things? I mean, recycling is one avenue, but there's also making sure that you're bringing in less waste into your house. So being mindful of the packaging, being mindful what you're purchasing, those are things and conversations that I think that uh, we need to start having uh, as populations grow and we we need to start having conversations about how we're going to reduce greenhouse gases and reduce our carbon footprint. And those are discussions that we need to start having. Do we have any cheap plastic that winds up in the Brady landfill? Well, if it's if it's landing up in the Brady landfill, it's probably because somebody is not putting it in the blue bin and they're putting it in their garbage. So make sure that if it's a recyclable plastic, it can go into the blue bin. 
Great. Thanks very much, Councillor Gilroy. Appreciate that. Perfect. Thanks for having me on. You bet. All right. We're not going to keep her waiting any longer. There is uh, uh, quite an event that is going on in Ottawa. There are also floods in Quebec and New Brunswick, but we're focused on Ottawa as uh, Beatrice Breitniff, rather, is uh, joining us. Uh, She's an online Ottawa reporter. Beatrice, uh, thank you for doing this. And uh, uh, I I should, Britt Neff, I knew I was going to mess up that name. Uh, I'm just wondering uh, if the situation is as dire in Ottawa today as uh, it was, say, 24 hours ago. So definitely water levels rose a bit over overnight. Um, they steadily increased over the weekend, perhaps not as uh, at fast as a rate as uh, towards the end of the week, early in the weekend. It sort of tapered in terms of the, the uh, how quickly the increase is happening. But um, it does seem like the worst is, is yet to come in the next 24 hours, um, you know, right near the, the water levels and near downtown Ottawa, they're looking at, or forecasting rather, a, a 30 centimeter increase uh, between this morning and tomorrow morning, uh, with the water levels peaking tomorrow, and then closer to Gatineau, they're they're forecasting a 44 centimeter increase between today and Wednesday. So people are bracing uh, for the for those waters to to increase a bit more. Now, is there one area of the city in particular, Beatrice, that has been hit harder than the other? I, I go back to 1997 here, and within the the, the city limits, uh, you didn't get the same sense of peril and danger that you did in the outlying areas. Uh, so are there parts of Ottawa where they'd go flood? What flood? Yes, absolutely. I, I myself live in downtown Ottawa. You wouldn't know that floods were happening unless you decided to, to go to an interprovincial crossing and take a look at at the water rushing down, the, the downtown core is in a bit of a bubble. Certainly the, the worst hit communities are out in the rural West End, um, Fitzroy Harbour and Constance Bay um, are, are the two communities that, that people are hearing about a lot towards the um, closer to, to downtown, still to, in the West End, um, Britannia Bay um, is another hard hit community. And then when you go out to the east end of the city, uh, Cumberland is the community out there in, in a lot of trouble. And um, I mean, if you were to, to leave Ottawa and go to the, the neighboring municipality, Clarence Rockland also um, declared a state of emergency the day after Ottawa did late last week. So um, definitely some communities are harder hit than others. How many homes uh, uh, roughly would be affected by this, Beatrice, do you know? So the city hasn't been able to give us any sort of hard numbers on that yet, but because the water levels are either at or surpassing the levels uh, in 2017, some of which were record-breaking, the city is looking to how many homes are at risk back then in 2017. They said it was about 500 um, and this is homes at risk of flooding. So they, they said a couple of days ago that's what we're kind of looking at this time around. It could be that there's some more. Um, whether all those people will evacuate, though, that may not necessarily be the case. Yeah, as you mentioned, 2017 levels. That was supposed to be a once-in-a-century occurrence, and yet here we are two years later, and, and, and we're talking about the same levels and maybe even exceeding them. Yeah, no, I think um, the residents who are really in the thick of it are sort of feeling like this is a, a one-two punch, and especially out in the in the West End, that community in, in West Carlton and Dunrobin and Constance Bay, they were they were hit by the tornado in, in the fall, right? So you had the floods in 2017, 
followed by another major disaster this past fall. And now we're dealing with record-breaking floods again. So definitely, I think some people are thinking, how can how can this be? <laughs> yeah, I would have to think that uh, some uh, tempers and, and some uh, nerves are, are pretty frayed and on edge uh, through all of this. Certainly. I think especially going into the weekend because the forecasts were worsening, um, I think there was a lot of anxiety and fear. People, frustrations were abound. You know, why isn't the Army in our community yet? Um, we, we need more volunteers. We need more help. Um, but I think the, the I'm not in a position to really pass judgment on this, but the city declaring a state of emergency on Thursday allowed the Army to come in um, the next day. And, you know, there's been thousands of volunteers out there helping and then having the, the military on top of that has uh, really ramped up preparations and sandbagging and all that sort of stuff. So um, all that was able to happen over this weekend before the, the, the water levels peaked. Here in Winnipeg, the relationship I would describe between uh, the, uh, the city and the province uh, is somewhat frosty at times. Uh, what's it like in, in Ontario between uh, uh, the city of Ottawa and the province there, Beatrice? Is, have they been working together well on this? It, it seems to be that that's the case. The, the, the city of Ottawa, supposedly the mayor, called up um, uh, Sylvia Jones in, in Doug Ford's government said we are declaring a state of emergency, we're submitting a request for help, and then the province uh, forwarded that request for help onto the federal government, and that was the formal request for military support. So that seemed to have happened all within the course of a day. Um, and then beyond that, uh, it's really it's really the city on the front lines that's, that's leading the response here. They are, uh, you know, leading the, the volunteer sign-ins and check-ins and shuttling them out to the different sites for sandbagging operations. You have police, fire, paramedics, Ottawa Public Health. These, these first responders are all doing door-to-door wellness checks. Um, so, I mean, uh, uh, certainly the province has been lending support. The premier um, came and visited, I believe it was on Friday, the day after the state of emergency was declared. Um, said that he told uh, Mayor Watson that the province, whatever whatever the city needs, the province will will be there to support. So I think everyone is is working together because ultimately this is about saving people's homes and and uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't see or hear any uh, complaining about the premier uh, uh, with a photo op uh, like the prime minister. So maybe <laughs> maybe he knew to stay or cl- uh, steer clear of that. Oh, uh, I mean. <laughs> It, I, I'm, I'm again. I'm not here to. I'm not going to pass an opinion on whether politicians should be uh, parachuting in to disaster operations. But uh, I think what what definitely um, got some buzz around the prime minister's visit is that there was footage essentially circulating, and it, and it was a rather tense exchange between the prime minister uh, and that and that resident um, who was accusing him of delaying operations. But there are. A number of, of uh, people, including a, a global news reporter who was who's there, David Aiken, who's saying there were, there were no delays. There were yeah. no delays directly associated with the prime minister's visit. Uh, I think the takeaway is that sandbagging operations aren't the quickest things, right? People got to fill them, tie them, haul them, fill whatever it is, a tractor, a pickup truck, then that one drives away and then the next one pulls up. So it's not exactly like a, a snappy process. So naturally, there's some delays and 
And it seems that that resident felt that the prime minister was the cause of delays. Other people say that's not true. Yeah, and and that's why I made the comment, you know, tempers might be getting a little afraid. That individual might not react under normal circumstances the way he reacted that day. Certainly, and, and I don't mm. know him. I didn't interact yeah. with him. I didn't witness it. But, but Ottawa Public Health has been shouting from the rooftops this entire time. You know, this is a stressful time. People are strained. They're, some of them are losing their homes or on the brink of losing their homes. Like mental health is, you know, sometimes it suffers in these sort of circumstances. So, um, yeah, certainly that, that could be a possibility. Beatrice, thanks very much for this. Really appreciate it. So just to sum up again, uh, uh, right now there is nothing to feel comfortable about and still braced for what could be even worse conditions over the next 24 hours. Is that what we're to take away? Certainly. Water water levels are still rising. I mean, obviously we can't say for sure whether they'll hit the forecasted peak, but the, the river regulators are saying there's going to be some increases in the next 24 to 48 hours and they, they haven't they haven't peaked yet. The water is going to crest in the next couple of days. Ottawa Online reporter Beatrice Britneff, and uh, thank you so much for this. Very much appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Ah, I'll tell you what, it was a great first quarter. Well, I, a solid first quarter. I guess we don't want to exaggerate. We'll we'll let our next guest do that. He's Tyler McAfee, the Vice President of Communications and Government Relations for the Winnipeg Airports Authority. So was it solid or a great first quarter of 2019, Tyler, for WAA? How about we go very solid? Okay, that, that yeah, I'll, I'll meet you halfway through solid and great, sure. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was really, really good. Yeah, what what were the highlights of of to the the first three months of 2019 for uh, James Richardson International? Well, there were really a couple things. So we always, uh, you know, one of those uh, metrics that we often use for airports and uh, airlines as well, just in the aviation sector, is, is passengers. So how many people came through the airport? Uh, we saw an increase of seven and a half percent in the first quarter of this year over last year. So you know, that's the first one that we look at and say, okay, that's really good. Uh, we're seeing more people go through the airport. And then related to that too, we want to take a look at our commercial side. So what are we doing on the cargo side? So what a lot of people don't know is that uh, Winnipeg is actually one of the busiest cargo airports in Canada. And when you look at those flights that come in, the, the freighter flights that are just pure cargo flights, uh, we're actually the busiest. So we see a lot of traffic with uh, cargo. And that was up as well in the first quarter. So that's another uh, real positive for us. And then all of that has meant that our revenue has actually gone up as well. Uh, it's up just over $2 million over the, uh, the first quarter of last year. So all of those are really good signs for the airport. Okay, so let's take this one at a time. You said that you had a healthy increase uh, in passengers, about 7.5% over the same period in 2018. What would you attribute that to? And you know, was there any particular event or were there any particular areas that people were flocking to? You know, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty consistent across the board, which is another really great sign for us that it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't that a single event came to town, so it wasn't uh, like we hosted something and that's what we saw the increase with. Uh, it's a steady increase. So what we're seeing is we're seeing fuller planes come in and out of the city, uh, and we're seeing bigger planes. So we're not necessarily seeing uh, more routes uh, to different places as much as we're seeing that the planes that are coming and going, the airlines are adding capacity because they know there's a need in this market. And then what about uh, the cargo? What, what would you attribute the increase for that to? 
you know, it, it's everything from uh, an increase in e-commerce, so more people buying stuff online, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's a real indicator, too, of uh, what's happening in the community and the business community in particular. So we often look at the airport as kind of a barometer for uh, where the economy is in Manitoba. And as we see an increase in things like cargo, we know that the economy is strong. So when something uh, happens like what did with the uh, the Mac Eight, the Max Eight rather, uh, we just heard that report on our two o'clock news. I don't know if you were on hold or not uh, while you were waiting uh, uh, the story on Boeing. You've been the the Winnipeg Airport's authority. I know that there have been some flights that have been affected by that, but that doesn't seem to have had a negative effect uh, on uh, on the WAA so far, at least to this point. No, so it's a, another real positive, I think, that we've been able to uh, sustain that growth uh, during a time where, uh, you know, the airlines have had to make some tough decisions about where to redistribute some of their aircraft, uh, how to make up for uh, some of that loss in the market where they've seen they haven't been able to use those aircraft. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a, an interesting few months just to see how the airlines are balancing uh, traffic and their need, but we've been able to uh, work with closely with the airlines to make sure that there hasn't been a real, uh, a real significant impact impact in the market here. And you're reinvesting that money back into the airport, aren't you? We are. So we have a very busy year this year where we've uh, got a big, uh, a lot of construction that's going on. We're uh, building a, a ground service equipment building right now that should be done in the fall. So that's a $27 million investment that we're making. And it's really, uh, it's moving a lot of the, the stuff that you see around planes. So when you're at the airport and you look out at your aircraft and you see, uh, you know, a plane pulling it in and you see uh, the belt loader that's putting the luggage on, all of that equipment is actually going to be housed in this new building. So it's uh, it's an exciting project in that it's going to uh, open up some space and some other areas in the campus that we can redevelop. Uh, We've got uh, some changes to our baggage system that's going to be rolling out over the year, so there's going to be a few changes there. Uh, Really, that's just geared towards uh, accommodating more traffic. So as we see more people going through the airport, we want to make sure that the systems that are in the airport uh, are, are able to handle that. And then the uh, the other big one this, uh, that's already just begun is the the runway. So we're rehabilitating one of our runways. Uh, so it's closed right now, and that's a big investment that we're making. That um, you know some of the some parts of that actually go back to the 1940s that are being replaced. So it, uh, it it's in need in some spots for sure. Hey, how often do you have to replace uh, some of that uh, ground equipment? Uh, you know, whether it's uh, you know for airline or airplane maintenance rather, or for unloading baggage. How long do those uh, pieces of equipment usually lasts for Tyler. You know, it really it really depends on the equipment, and, and much like any other um, any other vehicle, depends on the the wear and tear, how often it's used, uh, how well it's maintained. All of that factors into it. Well, obviously, you're using it more. You're busier. We're busier for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so 2019 for the first three months off to a good start. And I know we're only a month into the second quarter, but uh, uh, does it look favorable for that trend to continue for the remainder of the year? Yeah, things are looking good. So as we as we project out, I mean, even in our uh, master plan where we kind of look 10, 20 years out, we're about three years ahead of schedule for uh, where we thought we would be with passenger traffic. So the rest of this year looks positive as well. Um, you know, it's always with our fingers crossed because you never know what can happen in a in a sector like this. But as we look out, we're not seeing uh, we're not seeing any indicators that we're going to see any decreases in traffic right now. Okay, so last hour I uh, went on a little bit of a, a long feel sorry for me whining sympathy rant about having to go through about an hour process to get through customs in Toronto uh, because we don't fill out forms anymore. Now we have this new system. How's that working at uh, James Richardson International, Tyler? 
So it's working well here. Uh, you know, we're we're fortunate in that we don't have the same uh, the same challenges that uh, an airport like Toronto has, right? So Toronto is about ten times the size of Winnipeg Airport when you look at our passenger numbers. Um, just to give you some context, they actually grow at about the pace of a Winnipeg Airport each year. So uh, they definitely have some different challenges than than we do here in Winnipeg. But uh, you know, the the system has worked well in Winnipeg, and it's uh, it's a system that uh, all the major airports in Canada are adopting. I know Calgary is coming online. Uh, later in May, and there's kind of the last airport to adopt this. Well, I'll tell you what, from now on, if I'm flying into the United States from Canada, I'm going to go through Winnipeg Airport then. That's a good choice for sure. <laughs> hey, Tyler McAfee, thanks a bunch for this, and uh, congratulations on the first quarter. And now, as any uh, shareholder would say, do better in the second quarter. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> you bet. Tyler McAfee, right, you bet. Tyler is the uh, Vice President, Communications and Government Relations uh, with the Winnipeg Airports Authority. <laughs> Yesterday was kind of an interesting day in my house. Wife says, you know... You really should get that garden prepared. You know, we, we, we've got to get seeds planted, and, and, and we've got to make sure we're ready to go for when the weather is ready for planting. And I said, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to get a shovel in the soil. It's still going to be partly frozen. So I go out there with my edger. Sure enough, I'm able to widen out the garden to the dimensions in which she had specified the garden should be widened to. And then she says, you know what? Well, you might as well plant these seeds. And I said, well, let's phone Ron Paul first and just find out for sure. Thank goodness that was the one and only time that she's listened to me. Because she phoned Ron Paul and Ron Dubois, or Ray Dubois, Rob, sorry. That I'm, happens sorry. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ray Dubois of Ron Paul. Uh, what was she told? Just to wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you would know your staff told her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. Don't be planting any any seeds yet. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. Good to see yeah. you, Cal. Yeah. How has it been? Great. If I was any better, I'd be you. Well, uh, careful what you wish for. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how the, you know this year has been a weird year because a week ago Sunday it was yeah. twenty two degrees. I was out raking the yard and I was bringing all the stuff from the shed back out to the deck and thinking, man, we you know we're, we're spring's finally here. We're yeah. gonna have nice nights out on the deck and in the lower forty, and then all of a sudden, boom. Yeah, okay. I get back home and we're Somebody, talking uh, three or four degrees with that stiff wind out of the north, and then Clay Young on Sunday mornings actually having the temerity to talk about snow. I heard him. Yeah. yeah, I cringed, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Merry Christmas." I wanted to go back to Florida. <laughs> yeah, trust me. So, uh, in, in terms of of uh, other years, is this one about on track for gardening, or are we a little bit behind no. the eight ball? We're the same is is every every yeah. year. It's all you know. Nothing really happens until the May long. Uh, you'll get the early adopters and um, some people new to Canada. And the first thing we're warning them to do at the till is do not plant it because it's been like we were talking about a few minutes ago. It's we've had the furnaces on since February fourteenth. Yeah. So uh, a lot of the stuff. Well, nothing's known anything other than climate controlled twenty two. Then if it's really sunny day, sometimes yeah. it'll burp up to thirty high mid thirties. But everything just thinks it's middle of the summer, and then people will take it and they th- and they get all excited and they plant it, and then you get a minus seven with the wind chill. Mm-hmm. 
done. And yeah. it'll probably kill because it, it hasn't had a time to harden off. It doesn't exactly. know that it's going to yeah. so all those things, right? So, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's an average year with the same conversations. You know, don't plant any any seeds outdoors yet. By all means, now's a great time. Like you and I were talking, you started your peppers ages ago. Yeah. If you want to start putting in some seeds now in packs so that you can pop them and drop them. Uh, come May long, yeah. um, and then you know you're really not out of the woods until first week of June. Yeah. Um, so should you? So so should you err on the side of caution? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't even. <laughs> I didn't even get the words out of my mouth. So re- theoretically, then, even if the weather it's stinking hot, it's beautiful. It's yep. in the mid twenties again, uh, and the, and the May long weekend, as you pointed out, Ray, is is going to be. It's a little early. A this little year. early yeah. this year. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. people will be surprised. It's, it's. I know it sounds weird. It's third weekend in May, but it's just early in terms of the days. Yeah, because usually it would be around the 24th or 25th. 21st, 23rd. 19th yeah, and 20th. Yeah, I know yeah. it doesn't seem like much, but that's, it's, it's early. Those days could make a difference, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. But you would say, though, just to, if, if you don't want to suffer lunch bag letdown, so to speak... <laughs> Yes. You know, yeah. Keep keep it in the house until probably yep. that. So that following week, so May the twenty sixth would be the last weekend of May. I think so by then you're June, safe. You'd yeah. be okay then. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Again, May long, and just be prepared to run out with hockey sticks and broom and uh, and and um, blankets. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? So make your own little trellis and then cover the stuff, and you're probably going to be fine. Yeah. If we get that last that last week of May frost, because I think there's going to be what ten days, twelve days left of May still after the May long. So yeah. that's the risk. You know, I, I would work your garden, get everything rocking and rolling, use your soil amendments, you know, yeah. add your peat, uh, yeah. your worm castings, you know, uh, if you've got some slow release fertilizers you want to use, you want to air on the natural stuff, you know, get your blood meals, you know, get your high nit- your nitrogen, your bone meals, your right. uh, phosphorus, you know, that type of thing, work them into your, your soil, get everything ready so that as soon as uh, you're ready to start planting, like I said, you can pop and drop, just pop them out of the, pl- the pots and then drop yeah. them in the ground. Yeah. So if you're worried or concerned that, oh man, it's, it's, you know, it's still cold, it's late April, you know, we're, uh, it, we're not anywhere near the average temperatures for this week. Uh, other than what you just described there, is there anything else you can put into the soil, you know, to uh, speed up the process so that you can shorten up the days that, that seeds need to grow? Or You could that... cover it. You yeah. can, by all means, you could cover it with um, some, tar- some tarps, mm-hmm. and uh, those will heat the soil up, if you will. Yeah. I don't think you need to do anything, man. Mother Nature wins every time. Right. Yeah. And uh, just do your thing. I, like you said, you were able to dig down. If you're oh, able yeah. to go down, you know, five inches or so, then that's enough just for you to amend your soil. I'll go down a little more than great. And I would just get it all tilled up and get ready for uh, for the, the planting season to start. You could probably start your tomato or your potatoes yes. a little earlier. And again, if it were me, if there's, I would, I would probably cover them. At night, if it's going to go below zero, with just a, I just throw a, a you know an old blanket down or sure. something like yeah. that, right? Yeah. And you'd be off to the races. Yeah. yeah. Now, what's the normal growing time, say, for tomatoes? Tomatoes, uh, you probably within like you, you've, 75. You've gone to Ron Paul. Yep. You bought them in the pot. Okay, yep. so they're they're well on their way. Yep. Now you're ready to put them in the ground. You know, put a stick in there get, so they'll climb up the stick and that type of thing. If yeah. you get like Bob's Earlies or yep. some of our patio tomatoes that are wow, they've they're 20 inches now, you'll get cropped by July 1st. Easy, yeah, yeah easy. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, now we we like those. Uh, I think they're San Marzanos. Yeah. Is that, yeah. Great sauce tomato. Yes, they are. Yeah, that's exactly what they're for. Bacon salsa. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. We got those bad boys. Yeah. Oh, I know. We yeah. go there every year and get yeah. them. Uh, so do they take a little longer to grow than uh, than the Bob's Earlys? Are they no. all about the same? Yeah. You know, you're sixty to seventy five days. So yeah. it's fifteen days between friends, right? You know, mm-hmm. you're you're good to go. Yeah. And, and again, everything we've been growing everything now for so long it's uh and we advance them for that very reason because clients come in and they like to get bob's earlies or they like to get those spatters because yeah. they want to get that first crop yesterday yeah right <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. So. are there any vegetables that tend to grow better here in manitoba ray than than others like are, you know are, are there some that you know you just you just can't miss with them whatsoever or no? i've never had a bad potato crop in my life is that right yeah, yeah. so i think you know we must have the proper earth for spuds you know, tom- tomatoes too, but move your tomatoes around. You know, oh, okay. if you put them in the same spot every year, you're asking for some blight. So you want to okay. move them in your garden. And that with potatoes too. Don't put them in the same spot every year. Yeah. But I've never, ever had a bad uh, potato crop. And, uh, you know, carrots too. I think legumes for some reason. They must like the the, uh, the temperature of the earth. Yeah. Right? So I think those, seems, those seem to do well. Well, living out in uh, Kenora West, as I like to call it, or the, the you know the far northeast corner of the city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know there are rabbits in other areas, but, man, do we have tons of rabbits, and, and oh. I think they like carrots. Yeah. Well, yeah. They like anything. We, um, what was it, about a week ago, it was pl- plus seven overnight. Yeah. So I made the decision to kill the furnaces and leave everything open because we go open air. Right. So we had all the side vents open and everything. And my wife was warning me not to. <laughs> and uh, the next day, yeah, we had... Uh, had lots of visitors, oh, didn't lots you? of visitors. And I was like, yeah, you know, you're an idiot. <laughs> there's <laughs> nothing but... There's, everything's brown, and he's got these lush green... So then we locked everything down, right? Yeah. And then they just started d- digging in underneath the buildings. Yep. So then it was coming in, and so we've been running, waging a war. And those, those are wascoe wabbits. They are, yeah. <laughs> um, in this in this case, I, I think I'm uh, on the side of Yosemite Sam and the rest of the gang. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. it was, uh, but we didn't make any Haas and Pfeffer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we trapped and released. Yeah. We, we moved them forth, and it yeah. was all good. Yeah. So, give, yeah. them a good give them a good boot in the meadow and tell them, yeah, we, go, yeah. go down to the next door place. Uh, you know, I was talking with them as I was driving them to the floodway, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, go someplace yeah. else. Still go. Yeah. There's lots of grass yeah, in these fields. Lots of things to yeah. eat. Fill your boots. Yeah. So just before we let you go, Ray, and thank you for coming by and doing this. Yeah. Um, just any uh, any kind of extra tips you can have, say for first time gardeners, we've got a lot of new houses that have been built yep. in the last little bit, so people are going to be breaking in gardens for the first time. Uh, anything they can do to uh, to make sure that they have a, a successful first experience? Multiple different uh, tips. Uh, for instance, I want to talk about lawns. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to pepper you, man. You just give me the wave. Corn gluten, weed and feed. Now is the time. It doesn't stop weeds uh, from growing. It stops new seeds from germinating. So people that are new to gardening. That's important. If you put it on after the, the uh, lilac buds break, then it's too late, and all you're doing is feeding the weeds. Okay. Uh, dormant oil that I've, I'm leaving a kit with you. Um, it's going to cover off overwintering insects, and it's also going to cover off any of your um, uh, any like any issues. And with, safe to use around kids, pets, etc. Yeah, cetera, et cetera. yeah, totally, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So there's that, and then. Um, uh, container growing, you want to take the top three to four, maybe five inches off, toss yeah. it on your, uh, on your lawn, and then use sterilized soil in that top zone, and you okay. won't have to weed all summer. 
right? Oh. So just little things like that. Tomatoes, drop uh, if you've got anything like bone meal or um, uh, oh, let's see. It's, it's, yeah, it's on the clay tip buster, of your clay buster, clay buster, okay. both high in calcium. So just okay. drop a little handful in the roots, uh, just at the bottom of the hole before you put your plant in, and that'll help stop blossom and rot. So just Perfect. little things. It just Mike just sent a text picture. My wife's oxhorn tomatoes are ready to go. This will do yeah. your heart good. And uh, uh, Eve put, "Hey, no rabbit stew, Ray." No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Look, if I didn't know this was hoss and fever, I would <laughs> swear it was carrot. <laughs> Oh, you know what? It's great just to go out to Ron Paul for the shopping, but it's even better if you run into Ray out there as well. You get you get entertainment for your dollar as well as great merchandise. Ray, thanks a bunch for this. Good seeing you. Always you a bet. pleasure. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.